and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm thrilled you are able to join us today. We are going to be talking to one of the top senior influencers in the world today. But before I introduce you to our guest, I just encourage you to go to alzheimerspeaks.com. Check out all of our free resources. They're just one tab, and you can peruse them all. We also have a book, Betty the Bald Chicken, which is about lessons in how to care. It's a children's book, beautifully illustrated and impacts all ages and stages of life. And then of course there is Dementia Map. Um, You can just hit that by going to DementiaMap.com, which is our global resource directory. But let's go ahead and introduce you to our guest today. Well, Lance, it's such an honor to have you on my show. You know, I love working with you on Conscious Caregiving with L&L and all the cool things you're doing with All Home Cares Matters. So it truly is an honor to to have you here. So thanks for taking the time. I know how busy you are. Anytime, Lori. And it's always a pleasure to see you. And thank you for the invitation. Well, I'm going to have you introduce yourself to my audience because you know yourself better than I do. Okay, well... I am Lance A. Slatten, and I am the host of All Home Care Matters, as well as the co-host of Conscious Caregiving with L&L, and I'm a senior case manager for our family home care company and Rich Life Home Care Services. Now, you also um, co-host with Denise Brown. Why don't you give a plug for that? Yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah, that's a brand new one, and um, I cannot forget Denise. Denise Brown and I uh, just launched the Caregiver's Journal, and we'll actually be uploading the first episode this week. Fantastic. I'm excited to see it. Um, She's just such a wonderful gal and has, like you, just such a a powerful yet comfortable presence in the senior market, just full of knowledge. So that'll be a fun show to watch. Why don't you tell um, my audience how you got involved in, you know, senior care? Well, I I really trace it back to being four or five years old, um, you know, unlike a lot of my friends, my grandparents did not live close by, not even in the same state. They were several states away down south. And from the time I was old enough to leave my parents, I would go and spend my entire summers with them, sometimes four or five, six weeks even. And it was just some of the fondest, greatest memories I have of childhood. I mean, I love my parents. It was great childhood. But, you know, just I think grandparents, Lori, you might agree with this, are just a little extra special for the grandkids. And, you know, uh, just getting that experience and getting to spend that time with them, you know, really gave me such an appreciation and perspective of, you know, a love for seniors and senior citizens. And, you know, uh, I've always wanted to be in healthcare. I was pursuing medical school. And having that firsthand experience later on the road when my grandmother developed dementia, I felt like was also a gift in a lot of ways to me, just giving me that firsthand experience of what dementia can do to a family and to an individual that a lot of my peers my age 
weren't experiencing or didn't experience uh, for years later. Okay. Well, thank you. It's it's um, interesting when you have that family experience and how it can change your path um, yeah. so easily. I sure wouldn't have been here without, you know, my mom having, yeah. having dementia for sure. What have you learned from your experience that, that you weren't expecting um, through your personal experience and then through, through your business path as well? Well, I was never, exper- uh, never expecting to work for a home care company. I never identified as a family caregiver. Uh, really and truthfully, I never even had heard that phrase, um, caring for my grandma, but to a much greater extent for my father when he came to live with my wife and I. My whole career path and trajectory was medical school. And I worked in cardiac critical care for a time. And that experience, though, with my father, that's where things really shifted and changed. That's where I had the idea, thinking I'm inventing the wheel, which I wasn't, that we were going to start a company where we would send people into homes to help take care of family members and loved ones like we wished that we had when we were um, providing 24-7 care to my father as young newlyweds in our early 20s. And it was only through research and, you know, really kind of diving into that whole space that we discover, wow, there's an entire industry out there. And so we didn't invent the wheel, but we're trying to improve the wheel by providing care the way it's meant to be provided. And, you know, we're just really enjoying it and, you know, having such a positive impact on families and even our staff, a lot of caregivers, you know, unfortunately, at least in our experience, it may not hold true for others they've been at other companies and they're almost taken advantage of, right? Because they're kind of the lowest man on the totem pole where our view on it is they're the highest man or woman on the totem pole because they're the ones on the front lines providing the safety and the care and the ADLs and all of the daily support for these families where we're kind of as case managers doing more oversight and education. They're doing the hands-on care that really at the end of the day is what matters the most. Which is really true. Can you tell our audience, because not everybody knows what ADLs are. Yep. So ADLs are uh, activities of daily living. And then there's IADLs, the instrumental activities of daily living, um, both which are needed for, um, if you have like long-term care insurance, for example, the long-term care insurance companies want to see some, they require two or more ADLs needed. Some are three or more. Some I've even seen four or more. But that's your bathing, your grooming, your toileting, your dressing, you know, nutrition, you know, getting to and from. And, you know, those are the things that we, you know, often don't even think about through our day to day, you know, life. We're just kind of taking it for granted. We just do it automatically. But for a lot of our seniors and people with disabilities, those are some of the hardest struggles they have day to day. And as a care partner, it can be one of the most difficult too. Yes. Like, I mean, that's probably one of the biggest ones I hear about is I can't get them to shower. I can't do, I can't get them to do their grooming or even my mom as her dementia progressed that you couldn't brush her teeth. You yeah. didn't know what this stick was jabbing in her mouth, you know, and you, you know, sometimes if it's cognitive, I mean, you can't explain it. And right. other times when it's not, they just can't perform it you know, and, and do something that they've always done. And, and then we get really frustrated. And so I'm sure staff gets frustrated at times too, but you train them on how to deal with that and, and things, which makes a huge, huge difference. Absolutely. And, you know, we tell families too, kind of like for children with their teachers or babysitters, 
the teachers and babysitters and people that are non-parent can get your child to do things maybe a little bit easier than you can because the child's not so sure they can get away with it, you know, with these other people, but they know mom or dad or grandma and grandpa, they're going to, they're going to be a lot more flexible and put up with a little bit more than maybe somebody else would. And a lot holds true in that same sense when a caregiver goes into a home and the family says, we have not been able to get mom to change her clothes for three weeks. The staff, they're professionals and they're trained professionals and they're experienced and they can usually get that done after the first or second visit where a family is just left in awe. And it's like, it's not necessarily any secret recipe here. It's just your mom views this person in a different light than they view you or your son or whoever the other person may be. And we can usually get things done a lot easier. Well, and I think too, you know, when it's your loved one, you think you're the only one having this problem and mm-hmm. the professionals go, no, this is really common. Yeah. <laughs> we do this yeah. all the time. And and even sometimes being able to say that, I think to the to the client, the person you're caring for, that other people are having difficulties putting their socks on or bending over or getting dizzy or, you know, I mean, there, there's just so many different things that come into play that makes them feel better too because right. they're probably sitting there thinking, gosh, every, everyone else can do this. Why can't I? Very true. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the most difficult things with a chronic illness or being a, a care partner, if it's professional or family, is learning how to deal with those things in a gracious, gracious manner. Because that, that loneliness or I'm the only one, I think is the first thing that hits everybody. And then we like almost self-isolate and, you know, um, stick our feet down and, and kind of stomp and go, no, I'm... Don't tell me what to do. You know, I'll, I've always done this. I'll, I'll get it done. I don't know how, but, right. you know, sometimes you're just not able to anymore. Yeah. And I think, you know, pride sometimes plays a part there too. And not being able to ask or accept the help because they're afraid, you know, that's going to mean mom or dad has to go into a nursing home and, you know, they don't want to acknowledge that they need that help, you know, and, you know, I think just letting them know, you know, it's okay. We're all going to need help at some point. And, you know, this isn't the end of the world. And, you know, sometimes that works. Sometimes it takes a little coaxing, but usually they, they come around to it. Yeah. Well, and bottom line is life is better together. We start out needing help when we enter yeah. this world and we don't think twice about giving that help and watching somebody grow and, and enabling them. And right. really, that's all anyone's trying to do is enable. We're not trying right. to disable. But there's there's those myths and stigma out there that it's taking everything away instead of being an added value, having that support so that you can continue to live your life. Very true. That's so critically important. Well, today, what I really wanted to talk about is you have a book that's going to be coming out. So why don't you tell tell us what the what the title is and and why you decided to write this book. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, the book, the name of the book is going to be The All Home Care Matters Official Family Caregiver Guide. And I decided to write it because, you know, there's so many, you know, wonderful books out there and they all cover, every issue is just as important as the other. What I wanted to do is just take my experience, you know, with our business and, you know, the countless families that we've come into contact with and, writing it from a perspective of what I wish I knew when I was, you know, taking care of my father when I didn't really know much, you know, and the book has been, you know, a a work of passion for several months. And, 
you know, um, very honored that uh, you wrote a really nice blurb for the book that's in there as well. And, you know, it's uh, hopefully going to be out next week, you know, but as we all know, sometimes things don't go as planned, but that is the target date from the uh, publishers. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Wow. You know, when you said you worked on it a couple of months, most authors I interview go, and this is a year or multiple years. For me, it took me 10 to get my little 28 page children's book out. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think in total, I say a few months, a couple months, I think it was about seven months. I, I don't remember when I first mentioned it to you. I was about halfway through it when I had asked if you'd be willing to write a blurb for it. Um, and that's been easily uh, several months ago. Um, so it's probably about six, seven months, maybe eight, right around there. You're always quick on the draw, though, and it, but you're so thorough and you uh, you research everything so well. But it amazes me how fast you get things pushed out and how fast you develop things. I mean, even with your your podcast expansion, you know, of of your website and the number of interviews that you do, and then taking on the collaboration with me and with Denise. And I mean, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know how you do it. And I know I'm a lot older than you and I used to have more energy, but I still, I, I look at you in awe of all you do, because even though you're that busy in work, he is so busy on his personal side too, with coaching and it just church and all kinds of things. It's just, I don't know when you sleep, really. I really don't. I, I, you know, I, I really can say that for me, it's, it's kind of like, somebody that loves to, you know, go to sporting events or go to concerts or, you know, if you worked all day and your favorite band or musician is going to be in concert, you're going to go, right? Because you don't feel tired and it's not going to be a hassle. This is kind of how I I treat what I do. Every, you know, I've just been fortunate, Lori, just everything, you know, that we're doing, I'm doing, it's something I'm enjoying. You know, it's almost like work, but it's not work, you know, um, a professional hobby might even be a better phrase. You know, I do my day job, which is my professional paid position, but all this stuff with, you know, conscious caregiving, the caregiver's journal, all whom care matters, you know, the book, I get a lot of joy out of it. So, I mean, you know, um, sometimes, yeah, I get tired just like any of us do, but um, you know, it's a good tired though. You know, it's not a dread. Oh, I don't want to get up and go. It's like, all right, let me, let me get up. Cause it's time, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't really have an answer. I, I, I just say, I don't look at anything I do as anything special. I just, I mean, I, I just don't, I just think I'm doing stuff because I love doing it and hopefully it helps people and it helps others along the way. That's the reason we're doing it. Well, I think when you have that passion in that, um, that real authentic, I, I, I think it's a need and a drive within you to serve others you know, and to improve the world. That's how I look at you. Thank I guess, you. you know, if I had to summarize you with one word, A, it would be really hard, but service and, and would, would come to mind first and foremost because you're always serving others in what you do. And I know for me in what I do, that energizes me, you know, and because people look at me sometimes and go, how do you do what you do? And it's just like, I, I, my answer is kind of like you. I, I don't, I, I don't feel like I'm doing anything out of the ordinary. I don't, I don't think, you know, it's just what I do. I mean, that's kind of, kind of yeah. the answer. But when you find that passion, it just kind of, it flows and it feels right. And 
um, I, I don't want to say it's easy, but the the ducks fall in a row. Right. Yeah. And um, you know, and you are so highly respected in the industry oh, and one of the top in influencers, I think, in the world, in terms of of what you're doing. <laughs> and no, I'm I'm honest. Uh, I, I truly do believe that you are making a huge, huge impact Thank you. Um, by having these conversations and, you know, pushing the needle forward and being as collaborative and, and sharing it. But let's let's get back to the book a little bit and talk about what can people expect, you know, when they when they push that button and order it and it's delivered to them. What are they going to find in that thing? Well, when I was writing it, I wanted it to encompass every stage of the caregiving journey. So, you know, somebody, if they're listening to this or watching this and they think, well, you know, I've been helping my dad for three years now. There's probably nothing in the book that can help me. Don't be so sure because it's really, you can, it's almost like a map. You know, if we're taking a road trip, Lori, from, you know, Minnesota to California and we're already in, you know, Utah, that doesn't mean you don't still need that map right? You just pick up from Utah and continue on your way. But if you're starting in Minnesota from, you know, right out of your driveway, the book is going to help you every step along the way, no matter where you're at on that caregiving journey. You know, and we put some resources in there at the end, uh, along with kind of like important documents, checklists, you know, um, I, I just really feel like, you know, most people will gain some sort of benefit from the book, no matter where they're at in their journey, or maybe it's even just for themselves too. You know, we talk about the importance of advanced directives, what they are, a living will, what that is, um, a DNR, all these different, you know, terms that sometimes just, I know meeting with families in my day job, somebody will say, well, she doesn't have a DNR, but we have advanced directives. And if her heart stops, we don't want it started again. Well, that's your DNR, you know? It, so I think there, I think there's something to be benefited and gained from every angle of the caregiving experience and journey. Well, and I think what's interesting too is, you know, I, I laugh when, and I shouldn't, but when you said, well, if someone's in this three years, I'm thinking my mom lived with dementia for 30 years, you know? So sometimes you think your journey isn't going to be as long, right? but you know, when you referred to roadmap, I also kind of chuckle because it's like, how many detours are there when you're on a road trip and you, you have to regroup, you have to have flexibility and, and how do you do that? And for me, I think, and, and why I'm laughing is I think of myself thinking, I got it under control. You know, I'm the organized <laughs> one in the family and that's what I do. But boy, I was thrown for a loop many times, you know, and then had yeah. to figure it out by myself because when I was on the journey, there really wasn't much for resources. Right. Right. And so having something like that and, you know, and everybody's journey is going to be a little bit different. So there'll be bits and pieces that you can take. But also, I would encourage people to share it with family members, because typically they're going to frustrate you, too. And you want to train them. You want them to see what all all the pieces that like if you're the primary you know, care partner, what are you juggling? Because I don't think that's always appreciated or what could come up or how could they help? And, you know, how do we deal with if it's behaviors or, you know, another, you know, it could be another illness, it could be another complication, it could be a hospitalization, it could, I mean, it could be rehab. I mean, there's so many things we don't think about because we think, well, I've done it 
I've done it for three years. But Absolutely. I don't stay in a pattern like that forever, typically. And um, and it's okay to reach out. I see people, you know, with, with, you know, books on this order in all kinds of facets. And boy, they are dog-eared and highlighted, notes written in them. And they have them by their side all the time. And so, you know, with yours, you no, know, I've, I've had an opportunity to look it over. I think it's going to kind of be a Bible for, for care partners, you know, and families. And I think it can also help, you know, the professionals a lot too, because they don't always understand what a family is going through and how they're looking at something too. You know, right. There's a lot of fresh faces out there. You know, we've had a lot Absolutely. of turnover in the industry and, and um, so I think there's so many different ways that that can that that can work. Now, with some books, they have you know quotes or checklists or something like that. Do you have any of that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the back of the book we have important document checklists and then um, important references. You know, talking about what you know area agency on aging's are. You know, a lot of families. You know, and you've probably experienced this too, Lori. They go to their doctors and they don't get anything out of that visit outside of a diagnosis or a prescription, you know, your local area agency on aging, they have so many resources for families. You know, some of them are free. Some of them you have to qualify for. Some of them are just being made available. So you're aware of them either way, no matter where you're at on your journey or economic status, anything you're those, those resources are invaluable. So we list that out and then, like I said, some important websites um, and then going through and explaining what certain phrases are, what certain terms are. Um, so the book is really, I like to say it's a reference guide, it's a how-to guide, and then it's also like a story, almost instructional. So it's kind of like not one certain format, but three in one. Um, but I think it turned out really beautifully. And um, hopefully, you know, it'll just be an added resource to the other great books that are out there for families. Wonderful. Well, if you just are tuning in right now, we are talking with Lance A. Sletton, who is a senior care influencer and is internationally known and is just a powerhouse in terms of helping both professionals and families and those diagnosed live a more comfortable, independent life when it comes to when it comes to living, I, I just think it's so it's so important. And you can go to his website at allhomecaresmatters.com. But Lance, you have a, a website that's coming out too um, for yourself. Do you want to go ahead and give a plug for that? Thank you. So we, with the book coming out and writing more articles on different news sites, I wanted to have a place to kind of collect my writings but also to have a place to highlight, you know, our show, Lori, uh, the All Home Care Matters show, and then the show with Denise. So um, really, uh, I kind of did it uh, kicking and screaming, but we decided to develop a website, LanceAslatin.com, which will hopefully be live uh, at the beginning of next week. Um, and it'll just be another place to find more resources and information. Okay. And um, now I know All Home Cares Matters is on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, um, Twitter, or X, I'll always call it Twitter. And so are you going to be on all the social media platforms as well, I would imagine? I haven't really thought about it. I wasn't really planning. I do have a LinkedIn. People are w welcome to reach out there. 
Um, but I, I really didn't want to make any of it about me. I just, I don't, I get really uncomfortable doing that. Um, but, you know, all home care matters, conscious caregiving and, you know, the caregivers journal all have social media and they all have their own websites. Um, I may eventually, but I don't know. This guy is the most humble guy. I keep telling him people, people go to him for him. They know his name. They know what he does. Oh my gosh. He's even blushing, <laughs> but, but it's, it's okay to have your name out there. You know, it really it is, and it makes it easier for consumers. Do you have um, a favorite chapter or two in the book that just, it was it was fun to write or that you just thought, this is the one thing everybody asks about all the time that just has to be in here? I, I would say the first couple of chapters were probably my favorite um, because it really, I really kind of harkened back to my experience with my dad. Um, I know we've talked about it in the past, but my wife and I were newly wedded and we're in our early 20s. We get a phone call out of the blue, never on the radar that my father, you know, had just had major surgery and he's probably not able to continue living on his own at this time. But once he gets healed up, he could. And he's either going to have to go into a facility temporarily or would we like to have him come live with us? We chose the latter. We said, you know, absolutely, he can come live with us. And again, you don't know what you don't know, and it's no fault of anybody. That ended up being a two-and-a-half-year journey of 24-hour care seven days a week. I mean, literally. And which transitioned and changed the trajectory where I'm doing what I'm doing now because we were never equipped or supported with resources, information. And like I said, I never even identified as being a family caregiver you know, I identified as being a son trying to help his father. And, you know, I thought I invented the wheel two years after he moved in, you know, towards the end, I said, man, we, why don't we start a company where we send people to the homes to help these families? Cause I'm sure there's millions more like us, you know, not realizing there's an entire industry out there. And, um, we quickly discovered there is. And so, you know, we said this, this is how I want to help people. You know, my goal in my pursuit of medical school was never for, you know, fame or notoriety or, you know, anything like that. It was, I just, that's the way I wanted to help families. And, you know, it, it, I had to fill that need and that, you know, that desire to help and doing what we're doing now with our company. And now as a consequence, all home care matters and, you know, our show and the needs show, I feel like I'm doing that. So I'm, I'm probably one of the happiest people in the world. You know, that's why, it's not about me or anything. It's about, you know what, if we can help everybody, let's, let's go for it. Let's do it. Or at least try, you know? Um, and I, and I got to, you know, plug one of my favorite, uh, my favorite verses or phrases and uh, verses rather from the Bible. And, but I think this could be applied to anybody, whether they're, you know, whatever their religious belief or lack thereof. And I have it on my signature for my uh, other job and it's, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. And um, I really live by that. Like I, I do to the fullest extent. I have a problem with saying no um, when people need something or want something. And I just believe, you know, our business has been so blessed in 12 years. I mean, the last five years, Lori, we've been the number one company in the state of Michigan. We survived COVID without losing any staff except for one person. And I mean, losing, I don't mean by death or, you know, anything, you know, morbid. I mean, a lot of companies that I know in our area, 
their companies, all their staff put in their notice, they're quitting because they could sit home and collect a really good paycheck because of the COVID relief act. We lost one person and it wasn't because of that. It was because they were in their late sixties and their family was getting very concerned about their safety. If they contracted COVID, how would mom handle it at her age? And, um, you know, that was unheard of. I mean, people in our, you know, other businesses we talked to, they still say, how did you guys manage that? You know, you didn't lose anybody, you know, businesses closed, they shut down. If they didn't close, they never recovered because they couldn't get staff to come back. I mean, so I feel like, you know what, you know, we've been fortunate. Let's use that for good and try to help people however we can, you know, so that's kind of my motto. Yeah. And that is, that is um, a huge statement to your reputation and how you treat people and what your work, work ethic is. Um, because that is was pretty much unheard of. And I mean, I interviewed people all around the world and everybody was going through that. You know, I mean, our adult days and stuff have shut down and most of them still haven't come back. Right. They haven't recovered from that. So that, yeah. that is quite the feat. You know, what I liked when you mentioned, you know, the first two chapters of, of the book, and I've just got them here in front of me. The first one is understanding the role of family, uh, you know, of a family caregiver. And you said, I, I didn't even see myself as a caregiver, which is so common. I mean, that is so common. I remember talking with AARP and they did this big survey and they were shocked that people didn't see themselves in that role. Right. <laughs> it's like, no, they're, they're a son or a daughter or a husband or a wife or, you know, whatever, a friend. Um, and so those roles should not get lost in this journey. And sometimes they do. So I love that you go more in depth and talk about the daily life of the caregiver um, and the emotional and physical challenges are also highlighted in that chapter. Well, we are going to hear about QBlocks. I want to really introduce you to this webmaster. They have been amazing. And then we'll come right back with Lance again. I also want to introduce you all to QBlocks. They have been absolutely excellent to deal with. They have been in business for 18 years and they serve the globe. I can't say enough good things about this company. I've had a lot of bad experiences. I don't know about you with tech companies. They have made a very complicated process very easy and their staff is so kind, so polite, so respectful to work with. And you know, when I am frustrated and ready to pull my hair out, they just smile and tell me everything's going to be okay. And they really are just on top of the communication, which alleviates so much stress as an owner when you're dealing with tech issues. You can get a 10% discount. Visit them at QBlocks at C-U-E-B-L-O-C-K-S dot com. Or you can email them at let's talk at qblocks.com. For that 10% discount, just put Lori, L O R I, in the inquiry form. And again, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I surely haven't been. I, I can't rave enough about this company. And that's kind of rare these days. Do you use your own personal stories then through the book? Um, my experiences, but not my stories. Um, I, I will see how this book does. And I have thought about writing kind of like, you know, some of our friends at all's authors, they've wrote, wrote almost like a, a historical slash memoir about their caregiving experience with a spouse or a parent. I've, I've thought about that idea. Um, I don't know if, if I'll do it at this moment, 
Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to take away from it if I did decide to do that. So I just used my experiences and what kind of everything was through the lens of what I wish I knew then that I know now. And then I took and used my other experiences from our company and my education and just, you know, experiences dealing with the families that we help and, you know, some of the most common issues, you know, one big issue is all, at least for us, if I had to put a, a, a ranking on it, my first thing would be families acknowledging that mom or dad does need help because oftentimes it's very superficial conversations. It's just in passing or is that a, you know, a lunch and, you know, mom might've slowed down. She might be a little forgetful, but they don't know mom hasn't paid her property taxes in three years. And then somebody sees that the county put a uh, notice on their, their door that it's going to be foreclosed and auctioned. That's actually a real story from a family we were helping. You know, we kept telling the family, mom needs more help. Mom needs more help. They didn't feel like mom did. And then our staff was only there two days a week for four hours, eight hours, 168 hours in a week. That's not a lot of time. And they're sitting there at the table and all of a sudden there's a person at the door with a big staple gun putting it in the door that, you know, on, you know, April 1st, I'm just being, you know, example, April 1st, uh, the property is set for foreclosure by the county. And then the family was notified immediately. And thankfully we were there or else who knows if the family would ever became aware of it. And mom hadn't paid her property taxes in over three years. And we'd been telling them mom needed more help, but they always felt, well, mom seems okay, you know, and, but her finances were an absolute mess, you know, and, you know, families sometimes need to do a little bit deeper digging to really make sure things are okay, or make sure mom has her wishes filled out and people designated. So you can just go and check the banking or her finances every now and again to make sure things are okay. Yeah. And it's so important to have these conversations earlier on, you know, I, I know so many families, you know, they don't want anyone knowing their business. Right. It's important to have that backup at all ages. Cause I mean, we could get hit by a car or have a stroke anytime. Yeah. And when those things aren't in place, it just makes things so much more complicated. When I was in real estate, we saw that quite a bit, you know, with people being behind and the family was just shocked. And some of them, it was too late and they literally lost their home. And who needs that added stress? I mean, it might right. be stressful having some of these tough conversations, but think of the other end. It's nothing. Yeah. And, you know, another thing I'm fond of telling families, you know, in a kind way, make the decision while you still have the ability to make it or else somebody's going to make it for you. And then, then it's kind of too late at that point, you know, and oftentimes, you know, families will meet with a family and you can immediately tell, wow, this, this woman, this man needed help maybe a year or two ago. And they're waiting to the very, very end to now decide, well, maybe it's time we get some help. And by that point, there's not a lot we can do other than to keep them safe. And, you know, outside of that though, there's not much else left, you know, and it's usually too late. Yeah. I call that smart living. Even my own folks, I mean, they looked at it as end of life planning and my dad really didn't want to go there. He was in. So my husband and I said, how about if we do this together? We'll update our wills. We'll do the healthcare declaration. You know, we'll do it all. 
um, with you. So you're not putting it in that time. And yeah. it's such a fearful conversation for people. I, I love that some are, I've heard of some people actually giving that as a gift to a, a kid who graduates. Right. In your second chapter, you have setting up a supportive environment. And I think this is so overlooked on so many levels because the house has always been like this and they've always been able to do things. Um, you talk about creating that safe space and involving other family members. Can you give just a couple of tips out of that? Because I, I just think, again, it's one of those things that just kind of goes over the yeah. head. People look around and go, it's, it's clean. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, one of, one of the things when we're dealing with people of cognitive you know, difficulties or impairments, check the stove. You know, if, if they're living alone or even if they're not, you may want to disconnect it because all it takes is that one time they forget to turn it off, which can happen very easily, even the microwave in some circumstances. And, you know, one of our big things is the laundry room. So many of these older homes, the laundry room is downstairs. You know, we knew a lady, Lori, who literally could not barely walk, but she insisted on doing her laundry still. And so I was not the one on this call, but we asked her, well, how are you getting up and down the laundry, you know, the stairs? She goes, well, it's easy. I'll slide the laundry basket over and kick it down the stairs. Then I'll slide down the stairs on my bottom, step by step by step. I'll make my way down there. Then I'll lean on this pole, lean on the, I mean, it's like a pinball going, you know, side to side. And then I'll do the laundry and I'll wait down there for several hours until it's done. There's no phone down there. There's no bathroom. Well, okay. That's how you got it down there. But how are you getting it up then? She says, easy, I'll take one or two pieces at a time. And then, you know, I mean, she's going on her bottom up the stairs and on her bottom down the stairs, but she's taking one or two pieces of, you know, a washcloth, maybe a shirt or a towel up with her. And I mean, she's making, you know, 20 some trips. And we said, you cannot do this. She's why not? I've been doing it for the last year. Well, then she just, you know, she sold herself out to her daughter because she told her daughter she wasn't doing this. And so, you know, um, in a way that was a good thing because the daughter put an end to it. We helped them to get a laundry room on the main floor, which solved the problem. But, you know, checking how mom's getting her dad's getting up and down the stairs. But then the bathroom, you know, most falls occur in the bathroom. Make sure you have those slip resistant rugs and mats on the floor. Make sure you have safety bars going in and out of the shower and if they need a shower chair, get a shower chair. If they need a bench, get a bench. But anything to just reduce that risk of falls, because most falls occur in the bathroom, you know, and then checking cords throughout the house. You know, is there a lamp that's, you know, got the cord stretched and mom's got to step over it every time to get to her, you know, recliner, you know, little things like that, you know, and then especially, you know, here in the Midwest where we're at, the mail, you know, is the mailbox on the front porch or is it down by the street, you know? talk to neighbors, or even talk to the mailman. You know, I know a home where the mailman, he's a driving route where he just pulls up to the box and puts it in, but the family talk to him and they always give him a nice little Christmas gift. He'll stop and get out and actually bring it up to the door for her um, just because she has several big steps coming off her porch. And then she's got to walk down that sidewalk to the street. And again, you know, is mom having the sidewalks in her driveway salted and plowed, you know, there's those safety risks, you know, and you just want to make sure you're trying to cover all your bases. 
Yeah, well, and like with the, I know our mailman changes all the time, the time of day. I mean, they're having problems with staffing and stuff. Yeah. Too. You know, my granddaughter goes over to the neighbor who's an elderly lady, and she brings her mail up every day. And, you know, on Sunday, somebody runs over and gets her garbage cans and brings them down, brings them up. And, and you know, a lot of times neighbors are more than glad to do that. Even though I know in many neighborhoods you don't know one another, that's a way to get to know one another. I look at, you know, even with the kids being involved, that's a that's a good way for them to learn compassion. You right. Know, think of the pride of that woman trying to keep mm. that secret going up and down those steps and how she so easily could have broken oh. a hip or an arm or a leg. And she must have been exhausted. I mean, yeah, I, I was not the one there, like I said, but if I had not heard it straight from one of our case managers, I would just, oh, come on. No, she's like, no, really on her bottom up and on her bottom down. And it's just, oh my goodness. You know, you have a, a chapter on managing medications too, which I think is so critical. I think of with my folks, you know, back in the day, I didn't know there were, you know, really any medication um, technologies that I could tap into like there are today. And, you know, I really struggled with trying to keep them independent. And I had them, I had a marked, I had a med sheet where they could check them off and listed. And then I found that wasn't working. And then I put little dots on the med sheet and dots on the bottles. And I mean, it was, you know, I made them up ahead of time. I put them in little key envelopes and put them out. Then I had to end up going over every day. I had to constantly adjust, but I didn't have any guidance on what to do or how to do that, or even the different types of medications that are available or, you know, the punch card. I mean, there's so many options and you, you don't know unless you're talking with a professional Right. to get some ideas with all of those types of things. And the, the tracking of those things are critical with things. You talk about um, financial and legal matters. You talk about um, personal care basics, which we talked about. Nutrition, I think, is way overlooked yeah. um, with people being you know, dehydrated because they don't want to drink liquids because maybe they don't want to have an accident because they can't get to the bathroom all the time or incontinence. Um, or thinking that they ate, or not realizing that they ate can be another problem. Yeah. Or, or I, I would imagine you guys have seen moldy food in refrigerators. And I, yeah, we've seen just about everything there is to see. I'm sure there will always be something new, but you know, nutrition and hydration is so crucial. Like you said, especially if they're not able to get out, if they're having trouble, you know, even. You know, if they're using a walker, being able to carry something from the fridge, put it over to the, you know, kitchen counter or the kitchen table, that right there could be a a, a severe safety risk, you know, and even like hydration, I, this is one of my favorite tips because it's so simple. If you have a mom or a dad who claims I'm drinking plenty of water, but you don't really have a way of knowing for sure, you know, I know families will get the gallon waters and they'll put a line on it. And they'll, you know, and they'll know, okay, dad didn't drink any today or mom didn't drink any, or maybe they did drink it. And then you add a new line and just put a little date next to it. Um, Just having some oversight on their food, you know, and just like you said, I mean, that's so crucial for healing just for their own dietary benefits and the hydration, avoiding, you know, um, uh, 
having a urinary tract infection, you know, things like that just escalates as we get older and our bodies change. And especially, you know, with the urinary tract infections, a lot of times I'm sure you've experienced this. Families will think, you know, oh man, mom's dementia has really gotten bad, but it's not the dementia. It's a urinary tract infection. It clears up. Mom's back to her baseline, normal self. Um, just kind of being aware of those things and having an extra pair of eyes on it can really be beneficial. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Yeah, when my mom was in the nursing home, she had a urinary tract infection. And I did not think it was a urinary tract infection. I mean, and I was very cocky. And I'm like, there is no way. I mean, she's laying in, in her or sitting in her wheelchair and her eyes are like rolling back in her head. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is not a urinary tract infection. You've over medicated or something, you know, I mean, and the nurse is like, Lori, I'm sure that's it. And I said, well, then do something about it. I said, this right. is not normal. And sure as heck, you know, they did the test, came back. Yep, she's got a urinary tract. And I was shocked because it can come out sideways. I mean, it can come out with behaviors and people talking goofy and um, gait. There's just so many different angles of what that can cause. And most of us don't have a clue because, you know, we, we associate a urinary tract infection maybe with a little pain or discoloration uh. in our urine. And right. and that's kind of it. And um, it's like, oh, no, it's really different. Yeah. <laughs> really di- and so that was uh, that was a huge aha moment for me that I'll never, ever forget. I mean, it just made me look at everything different. You talk about movement in um, mobility, which is critical too. You're thinking about this woman bouncing down the steps. Oh, do you use a walker? Do you use a cane? Do you have throw rugs? I mean... Can somebody learn to use that equipment too? If there is some cognition issues right. come into play, and again, the earlier we start this stuff, the easier it is. Um, sometimes it might be. I would imagine you you've run into this where it's like take those shoes off and go. Oh my gosh! No wonder you can't walk. You know the toenails are curling around the toes, or they're you know they're infected, and they need to get into the podiatrist. And no one don't cut them yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing all of the the stuff that that one can run into. Um you have I mean gosh there's got to be close to like 30 chapters in this book and um I'm just going to name a few others preventing yeah. and treat, treating pressure sores which again you don't know about those until they hit. You talk about navigating end of life, taking care of yourself as a care partner which we don't talk about and train people enough. Um, the value of a support group. 
And I mean, I was anti-support group. It was like, I can't put another thing on my list. You know, that's kind of how I looked at it. And then when I got there by accident one day, it was like, oh, this was like a godsend. (laughs) You know, I I, was, uh, I had, I had this total um, misperception of what it was going to be. And it was so helpful. And I didn't even realize and I kind of chuckle at myself that I felt alone or that people didn't understand. I kind of kept that to myself. But you enter these groups and it's kind of like the veil falls off. Mm-hmm. And you just go, I belong here. It's yeah. safe here. I can I can talk about just about anything here. And they get it, you know, where right. my siblings didn't. Um, you talk about efficient... Um, time management strategies and i mean i think that's one of the primary things people feel at a loss for um, you talk about understanding and addressing behavioral changes which can be really difficult on the the person diagnosed who is exhibiting those as well as family and others adapting to the role reversal where now you're in charge and making these decisions can be really really uncomfortable for people and I, I don't know if you found this, but I found where people like, I can't, I can't do that. I don't want to take away their dignity. You know, there's a fine line between dignity and, um, and quality of life right. you know, and safety. Um, how do you, how do you handle those conversations? Yeah. It, uh, just explaining, yeah, I, I sum it up by saying it tough love, you know, sometimes, you know, we love our children, right? And I'm not trying to compare our parents to our children, but there is that role reversal where it's almost like we do become the parent sometimes by necessity. And you have to do that tough love. Yeah, your child may want to have five cookies for dinner, but you know, and I know that's not in their best interest. So eat a good meal, then maybe you can have one cookie. They might get mad, they might get upset, but what we're doing is we're making decisions based on what's in their best interest because they might not have the capacity to do, capacity to do so. So that's kind of what the role reversal is like for our parents. Sometimes it is that tough love where they might not be happy, but as long as I feel like as long as we're respecting their wishes, as far as like what care is involved, what treatments they would like to receive in the event they need them, you know, everything else, we might have to make those decisions based on what is in their best interest. And that might make them upset, but you're doing it out of love and a, you know, a position of, you know, responsibility for their well-being that they're not able to really advocate for at this time. And so know that it's okay. You know, don't beat yourself up too much. Just like, you know, the example of the child, they might be mad at you for a little bit, but an hour later, they're going to give you a hug and give you a kiss. And, you know, you're their hero again. Um, we can't no, give in. There's something else. No. Yeah. There's just, it's until there's the next thing they want that may not be in their best interest. Um, so it is, it is tough love and just being able to kind of stand by that. And I almost say like, stick to your guns because if they're left to their own devices, they may not be making the best decisions that ultimately could have a very lasting negative effect on their finances, their health, or any number of things. You also have in here about kind of connecting to community resources and stuff, which I think is just so important. And a lot of us don't know what's available out there or transitioning over to maybe home health care. Maybe they have to move 
Um, those are all difficult things. And I know that people are going to just find this book so helpful. And I really do think that they're going to see it as their own personal Bible that they're, that they're going to want to share the word with, you know, other, Thank you. because this is something that, that people do struggle with. And, and we understand why you struggle with it. Everybody right. who steps into this typically is a novice, you know, uh, at one point or another, or even professionals run across new things. Is there anything that we haven't discussed, Lance, that you, that you want to mention before we wrap up? No, I just, uh, I, I always say, you know, if anybody has questions or concerns or anything that we can help with, or even if they have ideas for conscious caregiving with LNL, reach out to us. There's contact forms on All Home Care Matters and on the Conscious Caregiving website. And, you know, it's just been uh, a lot of fun getting to uh, see you today and be interviewed by you. Wonderful. Well, then in wrapping up, again, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Lance as much as I did. I always ask my listeners to be a giver of hope, like, click and share. Not for me, not for the numbers. It's not about that. It's it's about other people you care about. It's about people in your own sphere that need help. And a lot of times they're just not comfortable reaching out. But the more information we put out there, the more comfortable um, they become in terms of reaching out when the time is right for them. So again, be a giver, a giver of hope and, and join us. And I do want to just mention uh, website and contact information. Again, you can go to allhomecarematters.com. They are on Instagram as All Home Care Matters. Uh, they are on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or X. And, of course, LinkedIn as All Home Care Matters. And then Lance is on there personally as Lance A. Slatton. And uh, check out his book. And go ahead and plug the t- title one more time there. The All Home Care Matters Official Family Caregiver's Guide. Okay. And will they be? Will that be accessible like on Amazon and the bookstore? Yep. It's going to be available um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, it's going to also be available in print, um, and then we'll have a link to it on uh, our website as well. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it'll uh, be helpful to some families. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for all you do. It's My pleasure, Lori. honor to know you and to have you on the show, and I wish all the success in the world. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire, become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.